Bitcoin fixes the money, the Beef Initiative fixes the food and nutrition. Step into some new awareness that incorporates some much needed food intelligence into your life. This is Texas Slim with Texas Slim's vision. Today we have Mike Hobart. He comes from Bitcoin Twitter. He's actually a very strong contributor to Bitcoin Magazine. He has many articles. Enjoy. <laughs> then I'll be going back to Bitblock Boom. Uh, um, I'll be going back to Bitblock Boom um, in August again. So that'll be. A, I'm a dude. I'm always in Austin. Like, <laughs> and I, I guess it's not like I'm going to complain about it. Like, it's a, it's no, a great area. I mean, Austin is where I, I, I packed my car up when I was 19 years old, and I landed in Austin, and I spent most of my adult life, you know, up until a couple of years ago in Austin. That was my home base. So I saw a lot of things in Austin. Uh, as far as the early days of, you know, the startup companies and everything. So there was a lot of innovation back then and it was really cool. I kind of see that energy right now in Austin ever because I'm, I'm back and forth to Austin as well. So what are you getting out of your trips to Austin right now? Um, a lot of business people would say mm -hmm. networking, um, which I, I guess I could like, I'm so the funny thing is, is that like I kind of laugh at uh, like structured teaching of networking because I've always been a social butterfly, like ever since I was a kid. Um, and part of that is really just like my curiosity around like tons of different topics between like physiology, biology, ecology, astronomy, like all that stuff. I, I, I've always had like this really strong thread right up the, the middle of my character of just like wonder for everything. Because like once you actually understand um, a lot of like uh, have a basic understanding of how a lot of these systems and mechanisms operate, whether it's an ecosystem or whether it's an economy, um, you, you if you're really paying attention, in my opinion, you can't help but be amazed at like the efficiency and the productivity of those systems. And that goes with people too. Um, so one of my, one of my favorite things as a, like, as a kid, uh, growing up was even though, so like from, from late elementary through middle school and up into all the way through high school, I had an awful time socializing with my, my classmates. Um, I had a particularly dark time because of a pretty significant family event when I was, uh, when I was a kid, like 10 years old. And, um, one of the things that, that I enjoyed was going to the, the, the individuals that weren't really being approached much by the other, by the, by, by my, my classmates. And those typically ended up being either the nerds or like the, the, the culturally different individuals, like the ones that came from families, like from India or Japan. And so I would, I would go and like, I would befriend them just cause like out of empathy, it's like, dude, I don't like, I don't like seeing people that are alone because like I've been alone. I've been alone for a very long time. I understand how painful it is. And when you like, by doing that, I came to understand, like I had an understanding of like their culture and like their story. And then that helped me just like, I basically continued that through my whole life. I, I like, 
I like branching out and, and networking and getting to know people and getting to know their story and getting to know the understanding so I can understand the system. Like it's, that's, I mean, that's basically. Yeah. I can I'm tell. Doing. I mean, from the, that reminds me, I mean, we met a while back and it was, it was from your food article and you and I had started, I don't even remember what month that was in 2021. Do you? I can't remember when it was. I can't remember if it maybe I think April? it was it was I can't no. remember, but it was before I went on it, it was before I yeah. went on harvest, I believe. And you know, when we went and did everything before I wrote the Harvest of Deception, I believe it was. Okay. Yeah, because you meant you mentioned yeah. that you were getting ready yeah, to write it. Yeah. So it was before that, it was prior. So, you know, you and I already had a kind of a, a signal going back and forth because you'd written that article. What I was able to tell is that you look at a lot of things from a lot of different angles. And, you know, when I was growing up, my father always told me, he, he called me from a distance at times. He goes, you're from a distance. What he meant by that is I was able to, he saw something in me where I would look at everything from a 360 degree angle and I would look at all the different aspects of it. And you saying that, you know, you'd reach out to all your friends with, the, you know, the, your newfound friends that you showed some empathy for. I think it's a very smart and intelligent way to live now in these days and times. I think it is almost a superpower because everybody else is kind of more parroting, it seems like, or they're just kind of, you know, responding and they're not really proactively dissecting situations that they need to be uh, looking a little bit deeper into. Yeah. And part of it's also a defensive mechanism because like during that kind of time of I'll just call mm -hmm. it a time of loneliness, I guess. Um, I was also getting like significantly alienated and occasionally bullied by by my, my classmates during that time. And when you go through stuff like that, you either you either like break down and like go further down or you start to get defensive and then you start to like kind of like again distance yourself like you said like from a distance and then you're trying to visualize all the points of attack that can be like coming from to try and just bolster yourself and and like when you when you combine my two approaches you really start to get like as close to a 360 view as possible and then it helps you just like you said, assess the situation, critical thinking, everything. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it's <laughs> actually why not make it your lifestyle? You know, because it's always beneficial. There's always going to yeah. be something value. There is a value for value exchange with understanding your environment and your situation that you're presenting yourself to or you're surrendering to. You know, as far as consumption, you know, there's a lot of things that you can really kind of get philosophical about in just you know with this type of viewpoint of how you approach things you know you wrote the you wrote that article recently in bitcoin magazine you know and it was um you know we need uh we need our farmers and our farmers need bitcoin and you know you you really did yeah. a good job explaining um how this is going to needs to play out where we are where we've come from and you know how people can actually paint a picture in their mind saying oh i see what they're talking about when it comes to you know bitcoin decentralization of food uh where where we've come from as far as destroying our soil and you know with the beef initiative that i'm doing is i i'm bringing up this talking point about vertical we're going to change the the food industry with the vertical integration into the soil into the grass into the cow into the producer into the processor into the supplier into the market access into human health that becomes a new health initiative 
and we're going to do that within the thinking of the Bitcoin ethos. So speaking of your your article, kind of where where do you, where do you where did you start with this? Where did your research start and how how's it led to us so, now? So um the research really started with the article that um we first got started chatting about, which would be the uh the kind of the the diet um with like the 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 public health crisis that's going on right now in, the, in America is, is there are largely uh, chronic metabolic syndromes like cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes, obesity, like all that's so like you can go on to arthritis even with especially with recent research that's coming out now. Um, it started with that. And because ultimately it's 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 there's this funny dichotomy that's going on with public health, like people. Um, a lot of people, you know, they, they understand personal training, they understand you, you know, working out and all this stuff. But I mean, there's dichotomies within that too, but, um, it's funny, like, cause one of the things a personal trainer would tell you is like, okay, the working out part is really the easy part. The hard part is the nutrition and the diet and people are just stopping there. Like it's just stopping with the nutrition and the diet, but then nobody's really looking at nobody from what I noticed, nobody's really looking at the, the, the diet itself, the quality of the food within a healthy diet. It's like, okay, so like vegetables, fruit, like meat, um, poultry, a lot of the stuff that is industrialized is also GMO to the point of where it's huge. But then I, I didn't really notice anybody talking about like the nutrient density, like, cause like, if you take if you take a, a a green bell pepper or an apple and it's like say it's one and a half two times the size of what it normally was like 40 years ago but you don't increase the amount of nutrients that that fruit or that vegetable had received from the soil then it's just a bunch of it's a bunch of open space in 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 simple terms because then it's like basically just styrofoam with with water and um because that's ultimately what i what i touched on a little bit in that region in the regenerative farming article where we need our farmers because if you if you have an understanding around that if like because like if you're if you're making healthy choices for food choices but they're bigger with less nutrient density then you're really kind of just going nowhere like you're stalled and because like because like, even if it's bigger but you're not getting enough nutrients you're still gonna have to eat a ton of it and like that gets into like the carnivore diet and all that other stuff. Um, but whether you're talking about cattle or you're talking about fruit or you're talking about vegetables, the uh, I, I referenced um, the work that one of your one of your guys, mm -hmm. uh, Clemenza, he had written he had written a part, and I think it was it was a part of the Harvest of Deception series. I think yes, it, was, it was. Um, part of it, um, where he referenced Gabe Brown, a book from Gabe Brown, where Gabe Brown mentioned that today's healthy food density like an orange use an orange for example an orange today if you were to eat an orange today has 12 percent of the nutrient density of an orange that like my grandfather would have ate and when you when you see that a that should scare the shit out of everybody um b then you have to ask well why is that the case and this goes back to like first principles thinking and like Bitcoin and all the like the, the, the vertical stack that you were talking about making. And so if our fruit 
if, if all of our food basically essentially I'm over generalizing speaking of hyperbole, but if like, say if our fruit, our vegetables and our meat has only like an eighth of the nutrient density as like the stuff that was 30, 40 years ago, then you have to go further down asking, well, why is that the case? And then you have to go to the source, which the mm-hmm. source is the soil. And when you look at the soil and then you, then you look at what farmers are doing and you see how they're becoming further and further more reliant on fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides. And then if you, you also have to have an understanding of the great depression and the dust bowl. And when you understand that the dust bowl was kicked off because during the great depression, they were essentially, this is I'm over, I'm simplifying things. Um, during the great depression, the, the farmers were pushed to produce, 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 and then it destroyed the health of the soil. And then the dust bowl kicks off. And then you have to, you have to compare it to what our farmers are doing now. And like, yeah, a lot of stuff has improved, but a lot of stuff hasn't like, like we haven't, like we clearly haven't learned that much. Um, and it, it's just, it's a scary point, uh, in my opinion, because Aristotle was talking about this, like back during, I, I I'm like, what was he during the Roman mm-hmm. era? I, I believe. I think so. <laughs> like, like, like we haven't learned to stop like over industrializing and over routinizing, destroying the soil health. Because if the soil health goes like really gets to an extreme and dangerous level to the point of where our farmers might be producing greater yield, but the yield quality isn't there to the point of where our population and our children might be eating a ton of fruit and vegetables and stuff like that, that is like whole foods that is relatively healthy but the density isn't there, then like, like you're, you're, you might as, you might as well just be eating Cheetos with like a, a bunch of nutrients injected and it's still not going right. to do anything. I like, think you bring up a good <laughs> word there. And, and this is what people need to understand and kind of, you know, really focus on the word density. When you talk about a dense nutritional yeah. value, you know, that is what's been lost. And you can go, you know, talking about yeah. the great depression, up here in the Texas Panhandle, we were a hundred and something miles from the epicenter of the the Dust Bowl. My my grandfather's land was probably less about a hundred and eighty miles from the epicenter, which is pretty close. And he survived the Dust Bowl and everything, and you know our family thrived as much as it could until you know the farming industry changed forever up until now. But they had you know they they referred to a, some conversations during the Dust Bowl of talking to some Native Americans, and they they asked them what is wrong with the soil, and what is wrong here, and they said upside down. And what did they mean by that? Well, if you looked at uh, the prairie grass from a long time ago, you know, you had a certain level above ground, kind of like an iceberg. But most of the, the the health of all of that plant was in the soil and in the root system. And the root systems could be five feet tall yeah. underground. And that was basically saving the soil, regrowing the soil. And, uh, you know, the regenerative grass that was there, you know, it was being you know controlled by the land tools. And that was the you know, the cow. So you look at that and you look, where are yep. we now? Well, you look at, you know, the, the crops that we grow, the, the, the root systems may be six inches long, and then you have, you know, the higher yield, as you say, and we've reversed everything there is about how we got here. 
And that's what people do not understand. That reverse reversing of upside down basically has a nutritional consequence. And we've proven that. And that's yeah. what people need to kind of start with. Just understand that density is lost. Whenever you can get chickens now that are, you know, 10 times the size they have ever been. And you can cook them down into where they're half the size after you cook them down. There's a lot of processing that is involved with that. And that should scare the crap yeah. out of people. Like you said, is like, whoa, what is this that I'm actually consuming? So a bunch of fluff. And then at the, at the same time, like, so, so we've been noticing in mainstream media and just in general, like normie conversations, um, at least I have that people are starting to wake up to the kind of fluff that is in the, mm -hmm. the financial system around the federal reserve and the fiat dollars and all that stuff and how it's just, it's Fugazi. Um, and understanding how the injections of dollars and the creation of well creation of dollars, there's some controversy around that um, with the Federal Reserve and just printing monies and just like adjusting it like with a couple clicks, like the amount of dollars that are in the system. Um, I think people will event once people grasp that they will also start to grasp the the pandemic in the farming industry around the the because like. The, econ the economy and the financial system and the monetary system is addicted to uh, stimulus um, basically mm -hmm. since 2008, right? Like we just been like bailing people out, keeping zombie companies afloat and everything. Um, there's a very easy parallel to understand with like the, the agriculture system of how we're a, like a much of the industrialized agriculture system is addicted to uh, fertilizer, uh, pesticides and herbicides. And, that's the reason that that's an issue is that those chemicals, those concoctions, those witches brews really further erode the health of the soil itself. Because instead of like, instead of providing the natural um, kind of ecology to the soil, because people, uh, a lot of people are ignorant to the fact that underneath Underneath the surface of the soil, there's a very robust ecosystem going on down there that is pr producing the health or producing the, the compounds and the nutrients that the roots rely on. And when when you like when you understand that, it should scare the crap out of you. And the even scarier than that, and my well, maybe not even scarier, but equally as scary is those. The, the addiction on the fertilizers and the herbicides and the pesticides is heavily reliant on the oil and gas industry. And the oil and gas industry is going through a significant crisis right now um, with a couple countries over in Europe and Asia or Eurasia. And uh, there's, I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, whether it's a reckoning or what, but um there's going to be some serious wake up calls in my opinion. Well, let's talk about that. Forward. What's going on right now and the reality of the situation is in I'm a lot of people, just not me, have been in, you know, people from all the way from Adam Curry, you know, speaking on Joe Rogan, everybody in Bitcoin Twitter, we've been notifying people that there's going to be a fertilizer shortage this year and people really don't understand yeah. what that means. So let's, let's start with that. Let's start with, let's say Russia and Ukraine. That's a good point because people understand that there's a conflict there and everybody's 
definitely paying attention to it. So let's talk about fallout. Let's let's see. Let's 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 paint a, a little roadmap of, of what really is going to happen this year in the United States. Okay. Um, so, and I, I wrote another article on this. Um, I don't know if you've read it. I can send it to you after this. I probably should have sent it to you. I before. think I did. I, I, was, I, <laughs> I honestly was, forgot I was refreshing about it. everything. I think I, I breezed it, but you know, we, Okay. Um, so, so what's going on? People, most people are going to know that there's a war going on in Ukraine right now. Um, one thing that I recently just learned after my article actually was back in 2014, um, there was a pretty significant discovery of natural gas deposits in Ukraine and off the coast of Ukraine between, uh, between uh, the, the coast of Ukraine and the, the coast of Crimea. There's kind of like a triangulation going on. Um, I think I can't remember the measurement, whether it was barrels or metric tons or whatever, but they're like it was in the trillions as far as like the measurement goes, like a very significant amount. Um, which has kind of kicked off like some of the justifications or the reasonings or the strategy to why everybody's so interested in Ukraine. Um, and Russia is so as far as fertilizer, Russia is, I believe, America's top source as far as ex- or imports go. Um, and then they are also. I'm going to get, I don't want to botch up the statistics too much, but they're also one of the, like the EU's major source of Mm -hmm. uh, natural gas and oil. And then on top of that, Russia is also one of our, one of the U S's major imports as far as um, oil and gas goes. And then at the same time, China is also part of that conversation. So, what Russia and China did particularly, um, so China, I believe it was back in June or July of 21, said that they were banning exports of, I think it was like mm-hmm. pot ash and phosphorus, or maybe pot it was ash. one or the other. And that's a, okay, pot ash. And that's a significant part of fertilizer. And then, and you, by all means, if I, if I get into stuff wrong, like jump in and correct me because not I'm not an either. expert on I this mean, stuff. You know, um, what it is, is a good narrative. You know, we're not trying to be the experts here. Okay. It's awareness. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so China, so China banned potash exports because they wanted to focus more on like their domestic agriculture production, which is totally understandable, especially the situation that the mm-hmm. entire world is in right now. And then in February, Russia announced that they were banning exports of ammonium nitrate um, for the same justification. And then you're just like, okay, that's understandable. They want to make sure that they're like well, their own farmers and citizens are well taken care of. Um, but that puts a significant crunch on the Middle East and Afghanistan, especially, um, which I'll touch on in a second. But Another interesting part of Russia's ban is ammonium nitrate. If if you're if you and your viewers remember back in 2020, there was a um, I can't remember the country, but there was a significant explosion at a port um, in the Middle East, and that explosion was Lebanon. because of ammonium nitrate. Um, Lebanon, yes, and uh, by Russia also banning ammonium nitrate, it's not only going to impact the fertilizer industry, it's also going to impact the, the arms industry. 
um, because ammonium nitrate is very useful and important for munitions. And so that adds another interesting take on to what's going on in Ukraine. And then, um, so this is where we get back to the Middle East and Afghanistan. Um, the Middle East and Afghanistan are pretty reliant on like fertilizer systems, just like we are in the U S so they can support agriculture for, for their, their own constituents. Um, things get relatively more dark because there was a little headline. There was a little development that most people either ignored or just weren't aware of, um, President Biden seized the funds of Afghanistan's national bank, took all their money, and then just distributed it. So not only is Afghanistan under significant pressure because they are lacking the fertilizers to support their own agriculture, but now they don't have the funds to purchase it whether they wanted to or not. So there's a, there's, now there's... Besides the the absolute clusterfuck that was our withdrawal out of Afghanistan, we took all their money, and they also don't have fertilizer to support their farms. So there's like a, a slew of humanitarian crises going on over there right now. And then that's that. That was a really long rant. So we're probably going to want to touch on a couple. Well, I think of, it, what it points. does is you know it, it kind of points back to what we've been talking about is our dependency on this and this food system that we we rely on um we're going to come back to that and we're going to kind of paint a picture of you know fertilizer pesticides herbicides chemical companies and you know you wrote in your article that you know we need the farmers the farmers need bitcoin that you know i've brought it up for many months now that what happened after 1971 us as bitcoiners know what the F happened after 1971. So one thing that, you know, people coming into this space don't realize is there's a guy named Eric Butts and he said, we're going to go big or go home. And what he meant by that was going fence to fence in the monocropping way that we basically produce our food. What is the number one thing that we rely on with monocropping is fertilizer. And, it, and we're so heavily dependent into that yep. fertilizer that people don't do not realize if we do not have fertilizer, we have no grain. We have no grain. We don't have a food supply like the, the general public is dependent upon. And that, you know, the food supply is about to get choked. And it's it's that simple. It's coming. Yeah. I mean, when Tucker Carlson finally makes it on Fox News, letting people know, hey, guys, there's a food supply shortage coming. Guess what? <laughs> Here, It's going to be too late be too because late. people aren't prepared. They don't understand that they need to have a low time preference within their consumption models of food consumption moving forward. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to achieve with the beef, beef initiative. So going back to that, let's, let's talk about, you know, the fertilizer shortage. How, how do we paint the picture that people can understand the fallout of Ukraine and Russia and everything that you just did a very well job of explaining actually. Um, so I guess, I guess to start, you have to really look at the oil and gas industry mm -hmm. specifically. Um, because if oil and gas get more costly, which they are, like oil is up significantly in just one week because of the war that's kicked off. Um, 
when oil gets more costly, that's going to make fertilizers most more costly, which fertilizers were already getting pretty costly over the summer. Um, along with, you know, lumber and all the other commodities that we're taking off. And when things get more costly like that, that's going to cause the inflation of food prices to also go up. And at the same time, that's also going to put a crunch on the farmers themselves because they have to pay for the fertilizers. They have to, and then if the fertilizers go, like cost goes up, that means that they're going to have to pay more out of pocket for the fertilizers. That also takes away from funds that they could use to either like protect themselves and their families or, and, or it's taken away from funds that they're going to need for maintenance of their machinery. And I don't know how many of your viewers have been near a farm lately, but that machinery <laughs> is expensive. Let me it's let me give you, yeah. Expensive. Let me give everybody because I was on harvest this year, and this is a good example. Not to interrupt, but just real quick: seven combines worth between six seven hundred thousand dollars a piece um, have to be full of diesel twenty four seven, and that is not cheap. Plus work trucks, maintenance trucks. Everything that's to to get the the harvest ever. That is a very small harvest company, so that gives perspective. You can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then that's also another mm-hmm. good point too is the diesel. Like, if oil and gas goes up, that means diesel goes up, and that means that the cost of powering that machinery goes up. Because at the same time, like you all like a lot of that machinery, or not a lot of it, some of that machinery is getting used to also just water the fields because of the the um the monocrop industrialized agriculture it like what it's also doing to the soil because the soil isn't like as healthy and as dense as it should be it's not retaining the water that it like it is capable of retaining so all you guys have to dump more water onto the on the, the fields and the crops yeah, to, the, to keep those the crops pivot systems is so, what they're like, called yeah yeah and then so like when, when you start like laying out how like this this like wave of inflation just starts washing across everything and as far as just farmers, like we aren't even talking about like the average citizen paying for their gas. Like this is just the farmers. And if the farmers have like all of these costs go up to the point of where they're either going to take it, have to take out more subsidies, which is debt to like pay for this stuff, either they're going to have to do that or these farmers are just they're going to get pushed out just like in the seventies when they, when, when butts said, get, get mm-hmm. bigger, like get out. Like, and then if they get pushed out, then the, the farming system becomes heavily more centralized. And when it gets more centralized, it's under these big corporations that aren't interested in regenerative farming. They're just interested in pushing higher yield. And then it just creates this negative feedback loop to the point of where like, you start looking at it like a like a like a French Revolution or a Roman Empire like collapse situation, because like we're all like the the U.S. itself is already at edge. Like we've been seeing it for the last two years. Like a lot of people are like frustrated and they don't understand what's going on. They're confused. Um, it's really supplying the gunpowder for a powder keg to like a collection of powder kegs to really go off. Because, like, particularly the Roman Empire and the French Revolution, um, a lot of people don't realize that, like, it was like a lot of tension was building up. But what really pushed people mm-hmm. over the edge is when they couldn't get food. When you when you can't get food, that's when that's when desperation. Like, people thought people thought during the lockdowns people <laughs> were desperate, and that that was that was largely yeah. just like shipping, shipping and transportation is because like they like they weren't allowing those 
actually essential companies to keep operating to like keep things flowing. Um, people thought they were desperate then. Like, what? what like, what? What do they think happens when the shipping and transportation systems are operating, but there's just literally no food? Like, that's that's the scary. That's the oh shit! Like, we need to like fix this now. It situation. really is. And, you know, we don't wear tinfoil hats here. We really don't. I'm not a conspiracy guy. What's Well, we have to, I guess, Sometimes right? I <laughs> but as far as the stereotypical, <laughs> you know, conspiracy theorist type of stuff, you know, that I think all that crap's been played out a little bit because most of it always comes true anyways. But, you know, to say that, it, you know, this is very based yeah. information. This is stuff, you know, you can connect the dots of information of facts here. And this is something that, you know, a lot of people don't have time to maybe reflect on or to even research. And, you know, that's why I took the responsibility when yeah. I wrote, you know, the harvest of deception. You know, it's it is it, you control the food, you control you control the seed, you control the world, you control the food, you control the individual. Once. You know, people think, well, they control the money. Well, guess what? They Everybody that controls that money that we, we don't like, that's been debased so bad in our lifetime, they control the food with that money too. So if you're talking anything about the monetary system in which we live in, you better be twice as focused on your food supply and where you're getting your nutrition as a human being right now. Because it is going to be able to be manipulated in 10, 10, 10 times more different directions now than it was starting with the monocropping and the, you know, the addition of fake commodities such as, you know, margarine, canola out of rapeseed. This is what the big pl uh, play is right now because they know they've destroyed the soil. They know that they have to produce food in a different way. That's why they talk about bugs and they're talking about, you know, the cow being a carbon hazard and it's destroying the planet because of methane. And people <laughs> unfortunately believe that because, they, you know, they are of, of, uh, you know they have that programming to that's their kind of their belief system yeah it's easy. easy. Yeah, it's rent seeking is what it is. It's not really knowing the truth. And so, yeah. you know, if if you're not living right now with this type of intentional focus on how you source your food, um, you're going to have a, a wake up call and your your diet's going to change probably for the worse. And, you know, it might not even be that good right now because of the lack of nutrition. We're overfed, but we're undernourished right now. Yeah, and like, and this goes back to just the general population with the public health crisis, like um, in today's statistics, like and Joe Rogan has mentioned this in a couple podcasts, 40% uh, of the American population is overweight. 70% are over like overweight mm -hmm. at a minimum, if not obese. And then there was a study published by the national Institute of health back in 2018 that stated that according to current, according to metrics then, which is four years ago, um, at the rate that we were progressing in 2018, by 2030, 70% of the population is at mm -hmm. a minimum going to be obese. And then when you take like the points that you made with regards to why they're pushing this anti-meat, like eat your bugs, which I will not be doing. Um, and then all this heavily processed crap, like, like tofu. Um, when you... One thing, one thing that the general public doesn't understand is that, so this is where the conversation comes about bioavailability. So if you're an individual that's overweight or obese and you start working out, 
the and with the goal of you know not only getting healthier but looking better like one of the biggest goals with regards to working out is like you want to be you want to be proud of how you look you want to look good naked like like, you can't blame people for wanting that and one of the one of the ways to do that one of the best way to do that is to grow muscle and you can do everything you want in the gym but if you're not fueling your body with good bioavailable sources then you're just not going to grow as efficiently as you could be. And the reasoning for that is that, and this is where a lot of people just ignore like the, the, the miracle that is a human body um, that. So if you're an individual that's working out, but you are solely relying on say protein powder for your, for like your, your supplementing of like protein and BCAAs and all that other stuff. Um, you're not going to grow as much as somebody who is, who would be working out, but eating, getting all their protein from their diet, as far as like meat and like other good, you know, foods. And the reasoning for that is that over the hundreds of thousands or like tens of thousands, hundred thousands, I don't know how long humans have been around, but over that duration, our bodies were, were finely tuned to break down the naturally occurring compounds in, in, in nature. So like a fruit or like the meat from a cow, um, we produce enzymes that are specifically designed to break down those compounds because we were exposed to them so much for so long. Um, so when you come to today in the last like 50 years or even 40 years or 30 years, you start eating this stuff that's only been around for three decades that is heavily processed, our body doesn't, isn't going to know how to like perfectly use that stuff, whether it's synthetic or, you know, what have you, or like the enzymes, like it's not going to fit perfectly. And the enzymes might be able to break down like some of it, like, yeah, you're going to be able to use some of it, like the protein powder, you'll be able to use some of it, but you won't be able to use all of it. A lot of it's just going to end up being fluff that you just excrete out. Like when you sit on the toilet and people need to care about that because if you're like in, cause like one of the other downsides to that is that eating it like eating all these processed foods, these heavily processed foods, um, these, uh, like you mentioned, these companies are incentivized to like push this narrative because they can cheaply produce this stuff. And then they, they don't, and like they can kind of like, Oh yeah, the soil's getting worse, but Hey, here's this, like, here's these bugs and tofu and have fun. Um, like you, you'll, you'll be healthy, like, which is a joke. And so like when, when, when you're, when you're eating, when you're eating this stuff and you're putting this stuff into your body, your body's using up some of it, but then there's other compounds that like your body isn't used to. And this is where you can start talking. This is where you really start getting into like, uh, there's been a lot of science coming out, particularly the last couple of years around how inflammatory, um, processed foods are and how inflammatory, um, like specifically simple sugars are. And that's where you start having a conversation around, well, if all these compounds are in the system for so long, then you can start talking about carcinogens as far as like causing cancer to grow in the body, because it's, it's, it's a substance that just your body's not used to. And it reacts this way. And like with regards to an inflammatory response, you start talking about arthritis, you start talking about um, cardiovascular disease, again, type two diabetes, uh, depression, Um, (laughs) like the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And like the, you have to, you have to take it back to the source and the source of the soil because the foods that you're eating 
are produced by these farmers and the farmers are using the soil and the soil is being destroyed because of, you know, the fertilizers and the pesticides and all this other industrialized. You bring up, I, I was in Dallas and I met with some people this past weekend and I just did a podcast with Dr. Phil Ovedia. He's a heart surgeon. And so I've been bringing in several uh, doctors, you know, within the medical field that have, you know, attach themselves to the same thing that we're trying to do with food intelligence. And so it's becoming a pretty good network. Um, one of the doctors I met this weekend, her name is Dr. Mary Care. She's out of Dallas and she does functional medicine for basically, you know, for children, teenage uh, girls and boys. Um, and she brought up a very, very poignant fact uh, that a lot of things that she's seen that people are coming in, uh, these, these younger men, young uh, teenage boys, Boys are coming in with uh, testosterone counts at 200 and you know they should be well over a thousand and you know just 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 by saying that and yeah. you know it, it's it's an epidemic here that nobody's talking about and the drastic change of that testosterone level in young men is is a catastrophe for our country because it's stealing our strengths, stealing our, our mental strength and everything. Yep. And, and she's going to speak at our conference in Kerrville on April 23rd. And she goes, well, what should we be discussing? I said, well, we have to save children's lives. We have to, this is something we have to get people to understand. And we, you know, the conversation went on. She goes, you know, most of my practice that I see, you know, that is important and is, is getting people out of this food ditch is what she said. It's a food ditch in which we're living in, but how yep. do you start, you know? And she talked about the inflammation, you know, from the the, the oils and from the, uh, the you know, the chemicals and the, the refined sugars. And she says, you know yep. what, the best solution that she has found is a 48 hour bone broth fast with water. What that does Ooh. is that it, it helps your brain lose some of that inflammation and you get a little insight into some clarity to where yep. you can start thinking a little bit different and people say well where do we start well you know right there is is something that a doctor recommends and it's something that a lot of us in bitcoin i believe do that you know we we follow the cow <laughs> we we leverage the cow as much as we can and uh so you know that's something that's you know it works i've been doing a fast for you know many many years but i wanted to i wanted to kind of interject that in there as far as where we are with children how we as parents or young adults or whoever you are can kind of get out of this food ditch and that that's and you brought up a really good point that i actually wanted to touch on that i forgot about and that's the testosterone and hormone maintenance and that like you can touch on multiple things there for 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 one um if you look at just the the trends around public health and like when the government started putting out like official food recommendations um one of the things when I was growing up in the nineties was that, you know, nineties and two thousands cholesterol is bad. And that is aggressively false. Cholesterol is like the building block mm -hmm. for testosterone. And then at the same time, there's a book that I've been recommending to everybody from Dr. Uh, Shana Swan called countdown. She's also been on Joe Rogan where she talks about um, these EDCs, these endocrine disrupting chemicals, which the endocrine system is your hormones. And when when you so there's there's a system that's going on particularly like one of these edcs would be phthalates and phthalates are a chemical compound that is used in basically everything um 
Phthalates are used in perfumes and soaps, like our body washes and our colognes and our perfumes and our shampoos. They're used to like provide like that kind of like that clean scent that a lot of us love. Like when you like when you're going picking up body wash, you pop the cap and you smell it. Those are like the phthalates are helping that smell like really stick when you bathe your your body in it. And those phthalates are soaking in through the skin and getting into the bloodstream. And it's dis- and these phthalates, I can't remember the particular mechanism because I have to go back and reread the book. Um, but the phthalates are getting into our bloodstream and they're actually disrupting the production of our hormones, whether it's estrogen or um, testosterone. And these phthalates are also in, in our in our food supply because the they're coming they're the these phthalates are also um, they also mm-hmm. exist in plastics and they're they're part of they can like either pr- provide hardness or durability depending on like what type of plastic you're using yeah. but these these plastics are being used to supply the nutrients for our, for like our cattle for example and. It, when you're when you're running like water or whatever you're like you're helping supply the the like your your livestock with these phthalates are making it into the 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 livestock like through that system so we're not only bathing ourselves in phthalates when we when we literally bathe but when we eat the phthalates are also making it into our food supply because it's not just our livestock it's also fruit and vegetables because they're like they're making it into the soil because we're also using plastics and like all like all sorts of other chemicals through fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides making it into the soil these phthalates are making it into the root system making it into the plants so we're eating it we're eating it from our livestock from our fruit from our vegetables we're bathing in it and then like how many plastic products do we use every day like our headphones are plastic like, and I'm not saying that they're going to be leaching through our skin because there's like, you have to have some sort of sure. like heat transfer and stuff like that. But, um, well, let's talk about, let's talk about when, that real quick. People when, when don't you understand start- the skin. The skin is your second stomach. Anything that, you know, you have that transfer yeah. of outside to inside, it happens. It's not going through your digestive system though. It's just going into your blood supply. And so, you know, it, yeah. And that's affecting your brain. That's affecting your, your liver. Um, like, and also one thing I wanted to mention on too, before I like, is that like, like phthalates, phthalates are also like a significant part of makeup and lotions. And like, I, and I'm not trying to attack like women in particular here. Cause I, I love, I love you ladies, but how many, how many, uh, like of our girls are putting on like, like lotion for their hands, like multiple times a day, or like it's phthalates are going to be in hand sanitizer, like, because there's a scent and like, at the same time, like how many, how many of our girls are like, have like, like are just like throwing on makeup every day. And so like one of the important things, um, particularly around phthalates is that they do work out of the system relatively quickly. Um, I think the, I think the half-life in the system is like six hours or something like that. And they get, they, they find their way out. But the problem is, is that when you have all of these sources every day of phthalates, just like continuing to reintroduce them into the, into the body. And then, um, like, cause like, it's just micro doses, 10, hundred thousand times a day into your body, into these, into your very, very sensitive but adaptive system 
um, then you start to get into like disrupting the, particularly the hormones. And when you're disrupting estrogen in women, you start having significant fallout in as far as fertility. Um, and cause like that, that's particularly a crisis that hasn't been in mainstream media, uh, that Shanna Swan talks about in her book. Like, uh, like you see these celebrities that have been having kids, most, a uh, large amount of them, like they've either been, um, 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 what is it? IVF mm-hmm. intravenous fertilization or, um, surrogates because they're, they're ha- like, there, there's a pandemic of miscarriages and that's a huge problem. And it's cause it's not just women. It's also men. Like both parties are affected relatively equally from what the statistics show, um, from Dr. Shana Swan's research. Cause like the estrogen is negatively impacting our women and, and guys, like if it wasn't for our women, like we wouldn't be here. Like, like it wasn't for our moms, we wouldn't be around. And, um, on top of that, like you look at the testosterone and like the, like you mentioned, like the testosterone for like these boys is like a fifth of what it should be when the testosterone is super low, that's playing the other part, other side of the coin with the fertility problem. And then like, both of those hormone imbalances also further contribute to the, uh, to the mental health problems that were also being kicked off by our, by our, like our, our food and our lifestyle and our soil um, with regards to like depression and all that other stuff. And it's just, it's, 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 it's terrifying, but it's not terrifying in the sense of like the world's going to end. Like we just have to start working to make yeah, these changes. It, it like is now. right now. Everybody, you know, this is not a black and white issue at this point in time. What it is, it's an awareness issue to where we can kind of say, hey, where, where do we interject ourselves yeah. into the understanding of what Mike and Slim are talking about right now? Well, you, you look at your life and you kind of say, OK, I, I always say, you know, let's let's look, let's take a step back and let's ask ourselves, why do we desire what we desire? you know, in, in anything that we're consuming, you know, that from, you know, any type of product, any type of food, any type of uh, content, you know, video, audio, anything that we view on the daily basis. Why do I desire what I desire? Whenever you can look at that and you can say, okay, it's because it smells good. It tastes good. Okay. Well, that's a wrong answer, you know, and, and that's where you start and you say, okay, well, <laughs> let's talk about, you know, smelling good in the phthalates and everything and how they get through. Well, let's talk about a chemical company called Roll DSM that designs taste, chemical tastes so they can make a, anything taste good. And they're very good at what they do. And they, they engineer and they design a lot of our understanding of what fa- food tastes like anymore instead of what food really sh- does taste like if it's, it's basically not as processed and laden with chemicals. Whatever you can say, why do I desire what I desire? And you can answer those questions. You're going to change your perspective on your consumption models and you're going to start creating a whole new consumption model that's a little bit uh, more educated. Uh, It's going to go less on marketing plans, on labeling, and it's really going to cut out a lot of the middle corruption and deception that we talk about. That's that's an easy and more simplified way of kind of taking a step and pointing your compass in a different direction. Yeah. And a lot of people, uh, I, I like the marketing take too, because a lot of people like particularly what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, there's been a lot of people talking about just, or, and the last two years with regards to what happened with COVID and all the m- misinformation. Um, marketing mm-hmm. is just propaganda. 
Like most people, most people don't either they're ignorant of that relationship or they don't want to accept it. But so marketing is just designed to manipulate behavior so that you like you go buy something that you want to go buy something like the, the whole point to a commercial is to make their product attractive. That's that's like that's propaganda. And so, so like when, when we talk about marketing and everything, like, like people need to understand that marketing isn't necessarily, it's not benevolent or virtuous. Like they're, they're trying to like most of them, at least most marketing products are, are trying to manipulate your behavior so that you want to buy the product that they're trying to sell. And that goes back to like when, when you start like doing the first principles thinking, like you mentioned, and like your decisions start becoming more intentional and not just reactionary, then you can start to really parse out like what you actually need versus what you want. Cause like you want to, you want to like get a McDonald's burger because it tastes good. Like I totally understand that. But if you, if you like rethink that, it's like, well, I want to eat something that's going to like, fill me up and, you know, give me the, and make me like healthy and feel good, then you're not going to go to McDonald's. You're going to go to the grocery store and you're going to stay on the outside perimeter because that's where all the, like the actual healthy food products are. And you're not going to go down the cereal aisle. <laughs> you, that's the, the, the I, I think I go to the grocery store like twice a month now. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but it brings up marketing. Let's, let's put a perspective that we can cover marketing for a hundred years. And let's start with a, a, a company okay. called Procter and Gamble in the late 1800s made tons and tons of candles and soap. That's what they did. They were very good at baking candles and soap. Well, all of a sudden, people quit using so many candles because we started inverting or injecting electricity into our lives and we had the light bulb. Well, Procter and Gamble made these uh, candles out of cottonseed and all of a sudden they had too much cottonseed and they had too much candle. So they said, well, what are we going to do? Well, um, you know, as far as these candles and soaps, why don't we create a consumption model around cottonseed and we can start replacing and using cottonseed to fry our food in? That's kind of the, the, the simplified way of looking at it. But around 1900, Crisco Oof. basically became your new consumption model as far as ingesting things in a different way that we haven't really done. Well, nobody really liked that, that, that consumption model that Procter & Gamble was proposing. Well, Procter & Gamble was a pretty good marketer back in the day for their soaps and candles. Well, all of a sudden you have a new product and, you know, they get to engineer a new marketing plan campaign around a consumption model that is going to make you ingest your candles and your soaps. <laughs> and then let's look at it here in 2022 <laughs> and how good American marketing is. We are the best of the marketers in the world. And whenever you have to market products, that Crisco model that, you know, they started with Procter & Gamble, it took decades but they stuck with it because they were having success through their marketing plan, not because of the, the, the fake commodity that you were ingesting into your bloodstream was, was good for you, but it was based on marketing. And that's all it is. 
and now we have you know basically Crisco was yep. was the the leader in you know rapeseed, which was outlawed in 1956 by the FDA for any form of human consumption, and how much they've manipulated and deceived you know to get to where canola is now. You know you go down those middle aisles, walk down the oil lane at a grocery store, and and you could you can run your car yes. on that oil for a decade. <laughs> there's so much oil in there that's industrial sludge and that's what marketing does for you it's not the the application of anything that's beneficial except for higher yields different margins different fake commodities different chemicals into our consumption models oh that's depressing because i i don't know i don't know that much about that side of things could you so can you use that oil? If you can use that oil on a car, can you use it for like you can, weapons? I, think, I believe it was on Joe Rogan. Um, and they brought up that rapeseed was developed to be a uh, mechanical lubricant. It's first, first prince. Yeah, it was this last one with uh, Joe Rogan that they had uh, with, uh, yeah, uh, okay. I can't remember his name. He was on there. Uh, it was the Diana, Diana Ross or Diana Rogers. I'm sorry. And, uh, the other guy, anyways, I was told about it. I listened. Yeah. Wolf. Rob yes. Wolf. He brought it up. He said, rapeseed basically was at first engineered to be a uh, lubricant for mechanical machinery. And now it's one of the biggest, uh, <laughs> fake commodities that we consume, you know, in the United States. Why do you have to ask any more questions? Like, People go, why? <laughs> why? And I, I do believe it was Joe Rogan asked uh, Adam Curry, because uh, he was talking about rapeseed and canola, and Adam said, it's for the money. Do we have to even, yeah. you know, go further than that? It, and that, if you have to keep on asking yeah. why they're doing this, well, let, let's take a step back and, you know, let's let's get back to, you know, the beginning of how things kind of evolved and it evolved with cottonseed from Procter & Gamble into a marketing plan of a new product into a new consumption model that has led us to where we are today. Yeah, and then it gets even more depressing because the health ramifications of that system produces rent seeking behavior in the medical system because our medical system isn't like they're not they're not working to actually cure disease they're just treating symptoms and <laughs> it's just it's it gets so dark and like disappointing because like when procter and gamble and their system is working and then these hospitals, which a lot of them are largely privately owned or privately invested, and they're seeking like, you know, returns. Um, and these doctors are largely trying to just avoid malpractice suits. So they're they become they they become less doctors and more technicians because they have to follow the, the guidelines that their hospital establishes because they don't want to get sued. So they're literally then they then they become then it, then like a doctor is easily comparable to like what my job in the army was. So like when I was in the army, um, army aviation specifically because it's kind of like a, a separate thing because um, we had our own rule set. And so my job is I was a hydraulics specialist. And when you're working on aircraft, the the measurements are very 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 particular. And it's just like the body, like the body is very, very particular. And you have to be very, very minute 
measurements to like make sure everything like operates smoothly and all this other stuff. And so like by that system is like, if something was outside of the boundaries, either I couldn't touch it or it was usually just, I couldn't either work on it or touch it. And then I had to send it off to somebody else. And that's basically what our medical system is becoming. Like, like if, if there's certain, if there's certain like, uh, like, uh, symptoms or outcomes that they aren't allowed to operate within, then they like kick it off to somebody else. And then like, cause there's like, there's a lot, a lot of like just the medical field where like, they just don't know, like as far as diseases or people with particular like, um, ailments, there's a lot of stuff out there that like, that like just doctors just don't know what's going on. Like people, people think that like, whether it's, whether it's medical or nutritional or physiological or economical, or like, you can even get into like the serious sciences as far as like physics and astronomy. They're like, we, we don't know anything. Like most of the time, like we just understand, we just understand Oh, if we do this, then this happens and we can repeat it and we can repeat the scenario and the situation and the, the, um, the variables and we can get the same outcome. We can understand that this system produces this, but we don't know why. And I, I, I think this goes back to just like people's understanding and like talking about like having to fix it and everything, but like it's, it's dark, man. Like it's, it's dark. It's dark in the sense of just people just don't want to under, like there's a lot well, of people who just don't want to understand. Right I don't mind being brash anymore because it is, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick and tired of children yeah. not having a chance of, of, of be, having some strength and having some power of the mind in a way that I, yeah. I was able to, you were able to as a child. So, you know, the tolerance is, it's not there for me. I don't, you know, I, I I'm not gonna, you know, go out there and bash anybody. But eating, but people better kind of lose their cognitive dissonance here. This is not us having fun on a podcast. We're doing this for a reason. I'm doing everything that I'm doing for a reason. It's very intentional. You know, I, I wasn't going to be doing what I was doing before COVID. Yeah. I was going to Asia to ride a motorcycle across Thailand. And I was very excited about that. And I said, well, I can't <laughs> do that. What am I going to do now? Well, I'm going to get very intentional about something. And so if people can actually just, you know, take a step back, it's not a judgment against me, you know, like like I said before, and I say on every podcast, people got to lose that fragility. If it is fragility, it's not a stab. It's it's not something that you need to internalize. We're all guilty. And so if we can take that approach and say yeah. we're going to, especially as Bitcoiners, if we can take this approach and kind of look in that mirror and take that step back, you know, we're going to be, you know, in a better place as far as understanding and education you talked about you know labeling and marketing you know let's look at labeling now it used to be it's it said gmo and now gmo doesn't even exist now it's bioengineering <laughs> on the label and so does anybody know what behind it yeah does anybody even know what that thing. means that's just confusion is what that is with labeling of your food if you have that type of confusion because it has a barcode now they don't have to explain anything so you you get to scan the barcode while you're sitting there in the aisle then you get to read the terms and conditions of the bioengineering of that food product and it's about you know looks like the terms and conditions of a facebook agreement you know you're not going to do that and they do that intentionally to where you will not pay attention to it but hey usda says it's safe fda says it's safe you know and i have to bring this up you know when we talk about chemicals ingestion of chemicals through our skin and through our, our consumption of food 
people don't realize how many chemicals every year the FDA approves to be in our food supply system. And they won a lawsuit in October of 2021 to where they get to, once again, they get to in, inject thousand new chemicals into our food supply in 2022 and 2023 under the grass rule, which is generally recognized as safe. And so if the FDA says it's generally recognized as safe, then, you know, people say, oh, it's, it's approved. Well, we know how that works. And, you know, Oof. that's just by consuming. Now, let's up those chemicals as far as skin products, as far as plastics, everything that FDA approves. Once again, it's coming into your system and it's causing this inflammation of the brain. It's, you know, this, this, this cloud, this low testosterone levels, this insulin resistance, this diabetes, this overweight, this obesity, the, the bankruptcy of our, you know, our metabolical systems. Once again, we can get out of this ditch, this food ditch. And there's many ways to approach it. And I think right now, if you're, you know, in the Bitcoin world, we've got something here that a lot of people were front running. Uh, you and I talked about it. You know, we're front running education yep. in a lot of ways. All of this is happening organically and holistically. You know, you and I, you know, being introduced through Bitcoin Twitter just because we were being intentional about food is is a good is a good lifestyle model. Yep. And I tell everybody about the beef initiative. I say, hey, there's a yeah. new international lifestyle. You just don't know about it yet, but it's right right in your backyard. It's right over your shoulder of your heritage and your tradition. Let's look at food, how our grandparents and our great-grandparents looked at food and how they survived and thrived with that consumption model. That's not that hard to do. And we're bringing it with the yep. beef initiative is like, hey, let's, let's cut out all these touch points of your food. You should have two touch points with your animal protein. That's your hand in the rancher's hand that you're shaking. And if you can't do that, then of course, you know, you, you might be in a city where you don't have that access. Well, you're going to be able to come to the beef initiative and, and help people out. And you're going to, you know, you're going to request, Hey, I'm over here. Who's, who's somebody I can rely on. And we're helping people connect those dots. And I did, I just say it's not complex, yeah. you know, with the beef initiative, what we're really doing is we are doing crowdsourcing right now. We're saying, Hey guys, how, how are you living? And, you know, I'm inviting every Bitcoiner that's intentional about, you know, sourcing animal protein, come to the beef initiative, go to the producer's page and put your rancher in there or your animal pro producer in there. Cause we could go out there. And I, I said this in the beginning with, um, podcast that said we're going to have a database and it's the database is easy to get you can scrape out there the internet and it, they're all useless and so what i decided as far as the beef initiative saying we're going to build this from ground up and we're going to do it with the people that are paying attention right now we're going to get that base layer of value going on this consumption model of animal protein yeah and then because well I, really I, I, I didn't even think about um, that. That just flowed. Thank like you. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause like the, the, and then the beauty of like all of this is like where, where Bitcoin comes in is like when you have, when you have a money like Bitcoin, that can't be manipulated and just printed out of nowhere. Then it's not supplying the, it's not supplying the livelihood for, what I would argue would be like the a huge source of our problems would be like the corporate lobbyists that are uh, uh, that are 
pushing and manipulating specific governmental policy that is allowing these kinds of organizations like Procter and Gamble to, to flourish to the point of where at the same, while it's doing that, like the, the farmers that are, they're slowly accumulating a Bitcoin base um, are going to be relatively protected from not just from inflation, but also from monetary debasement. And when, when our farmers are protected like that, um, when our farmers are adequate, I'll say when our farmers are generally and adequately protected like that, and they have that kind of baseline protection financially and economically to the point of where they don't have to get forced out of the livelihood that they enjoy and like providing quality food sources for our children to consume so that they can grow up and be healthy and strong so they can solve problems that are going to be a lot worse than the ones we're going through right now. Um, when you do that, then you have a really strong community. And when you have a really strong community, when you have a multitude of really strong communities, then you have a really strong country. And like, that's, that's ultimately, I think that's what you and I are trying to get to. Cause like the, the our country right now, I would argue is extremely yeah, it's fragile. extremely fragile in many ways. That is a perfect storm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not out here, you know, being desperate or anything. I see this time for us. I see the biggest opportunity I've ever had in my life to do good to myself, to my family and to my community and, you know, to my state, however you want to break it down on an individual level. But I see during times of mass prohibition in which we've seen as far as uh, our society in the last, basically since 2008, in ways people might not understand there comes a, there, a movement of mass innovation. And in what, what I'm trying to do with the yeah. beef initiative is I know all that stuff's going on and, and it's easy to get stuck in it. And it's easy. You have to stay informed, but us Bitcoiners definitely stay informed uh, a, a more intentional way instead of just parroting the daily propaganda. And so by understanding what, what's going on, saying, okay, this is where we are. This is how we're going to innovate. We don't we don't understand, but we got a destination that we're shooting for. And I think we're going to be uh, pretty powerful moving forward. I talk about Bitcoin with within ranchers, let's just say ranchers and um, them as food producers and protein producers. You get a rancher that's fourth generational rancher and he knows ranching. He knows cattle. He knows everything there is about that animal protein, how to steward it. Uh, everything is birthing it, how to, uh, you know, breed it, how to process it, how to, to uh, love it, how to give respect to it. All right. Well, how much is that value that he has put his life into the value of that cow? How much is that value of that cow been stolen from him throughout these years? He knows because he's still surviving. Well, you get him understanding Bitcoin in, a, in, yeah. in, in the base layer value um, that it has as far as the protocol it is and the capacity of, you know, because lo a lot of ranchers, they, they're already decentralized in a lot of ways people don't understand. And having that mentality as a rancher and they understand Bitcoin, the the light's going to go on. And the, the beef industry is about to change for for the better in ways people do not understand yeah and the the unfortunate part is that um 
when big changes happen, it usually scares a lot of people. And uh, I don't know, like I, I'm, I don't know how the public's going to react. Honestly, like I, I, there's no way to really know. But uh, the change, I think, be, because of what what you're doing and what other guys and guys and gals like yourself are doing, because like there's gonna there's there's a couple others that I know of that are working on similar projects, and then there's gonna be tons mm-hmm. that we don't know about. And uh, the 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 really the the really beneficial part is that all of you guys are are working parallel to each other. It's gonna it's gonna help strengthen, um, it's gonna help strengthen really not just the U.S. but globally because there's also you know regenerative farming and all and livestock mm-hmm. and ranching going on in Africa too, and South America and everywhere else. Um, the 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 shock will be will probably be rapid. And it'll be scary for the people that don't understand what's going on. But uh, I'm excited to see what happens in the future because I think there's going to be a lot of silver there lines. Is. There's going to be time. I think 2022 is going to be a very fantastic year in a lot of ways. It's going to create that new foundation of trust and uh, empowerment, I think. Uh, there's going to be a good roadmap for a lot of people to kind of not have to be too too confused about anymore. That it, it does kind of change that lifestyle, yeah. that decision-making just a little bit. It doesn't have to be much to get going. Once you get going, you are you know, you, you and yeah. I know there's no turning back. And that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin and, you know, purity of nutrition and, you know, everything that we do as far as our research. Let's talk about what are you doing these days uh let's talk about miami let's talk about conferences how's your life what's going on with you so my life my life is uh it's probably the best it's been honestly um so i was working for a few years my mom wanted to uh so my background is exercise science and i went went to college for it and everything um i finished that up after i got back from my deployment and my my mom, uh, she was approaching retirement and she wanted to open up a franchise gym um, here in Iowa. And I've been working in gyms for like a decade. And so I, I know how to I know how to run a gym and I know how to like, you know, sell and customer support and all that other stuff. Um, so she asked me to 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 run the the joint when it first got started. And I told her like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of it. But I, I have personal qualms with working for my mom it feels like an allowance so um so that that got all set up and that got off and successful and running a lot faster than we expected so i stopped working for her at actually um december of 21 just recently and so the since then i've really and i since then i've been you know stacking bitcoin and just stacking up a, a capital cushion um as best i could so now i'm really like i'm all just bitcoin writing um lots of reading and then uh just talking with individuals like yourself and um like really just recording our rants so that's i mean that's really all i do like all day so i wake up at like 4 a.m uh i see all i look at i check at all the news that had been happening throughout the evening and then um i go straight to either listening to podcasts or reading the books that i have i have a queue of like i think seven or eight books that I want to read that I'm working on getting through. Um, and I'm reading these books and I'm writing alongside of it until like two o'clock in the afternoon. And then I get, get busy with eating and everything and working out. And it's a, a very, I don't really socialize yeah. basically. 
Well, your, your lifestyle is your socialization, you know, cause here we are. I mean, I'd rather have this type of socialization right now than, you know, going out and doing the old timey socialization, yeah. socialization. I think it brings a lot more value to my life, you know, and, you know, as far as you, you bring up beginning up at four o'clock in the morning, I think you're the one that I uh, telegram the most at like five o'clock in the morning, four or five. So I've noticed a couple of those. <laughs> Yeah, um, you, you, me, okay. you, me, and CJ Wilson <laughs> right. were the only ones that are ever up at that time. Sometimes I'm up at three, three thirty. It's like, well, man, I'm I'm thinking way too much. I'm not I'm not reversing this, so it's time to go. I've had I've had I've I've definitely had that where I just, you just wake up wide awake at three thirty. Right. Your alarm's gonna go off at four. It's like, um, well, all right. I just might as well stay up because if, if you force yourself to go back to oh, sleep, you get that REM that's dangerous where you can't wake up and you're like, your day is run. It's a family curse on yeah. my mom's side, you know, coming from the farming side is, you know, three 30 in the morning you're, you're up and going. So, um, are, are you going to make it down to Austin, yep. Miami? What's going on? Oh yeah. Yep. So, um, Miami, I'll be, I'll be down there. Um, I got invited thanks to Bitcoin magazine uh, since I've been writing like a machine. And so I'll be down there trying to meet up with everybody as best I can. Um, Communications comms is going to be absolutely awful because I don't like, I don't know about yourself or any of your viewers, but if you guys have been inside like a football stadium during game time, um, cell phone signal doesn't work that well. So, uh, I'll be working as best I can to, you know, shake hands with everybody and meet more Bitcoiners in person that I haven't been able to meet. Um, and then, uh, Bitblock Boom is in Austin, Texas in August, and I will be there as well. Um, other than that, like, I'm, I honestly, I will probably, like, I'll probably try and just like use that break in between to, uh, keep in touch with family and friends here in Iowa, just because like I said, I'm not socializing. So I'm going to try and get as much vitamin sure. D and sun as possible. And yeah, just I, work I, on I that. found out that I'm going to Austin too. Um, that's going to be a good time to get to see each other in person and everything. Um, we're going to have our conference in Kerrville in, uh, April 23rd. We're going to have a list of speakers. The website's going to get posted Sunday night. I hope we're building it out right now. So there's going to be a, a great list of speakers. Nice. I can't say right now, still confirming one last one just to be responsible and respectful, but, uh, uh, you know, we're going to have four conferences across the United <laughs> States this year. We're going to have one out at uh, Jason Rick, uh, Rick Ranches out in Colorado. It's going to be in Crawford, Colorado. And then I'm in talks with Will Harris out at White Oak Pastures. And we'll have a conference hopefully out there in uh, Georgia. That's pretty much almost there. And I think on the fourth conference, um, I was talking with my team. I think we're going to let the Bitcoiners choose where we go, maybe do a poll and have the fourth. Yeah. have a fourth uh, beef Ooh, initiative cool. conference to close out the year in November and in somewhere across the United States. So you guys heard it. So let's start uh, talking about that, but uh, maybe whenever, yeah, um, we'll talk nice. more. You and I are going to see each other in Miami for sure. Um, looking forward to that. Definitely. Let's uh, let's meet yep. up again after uh, Miami and let's do this. This is, this was a good outline. <laughs> I think it's time after this podcast let's really kind yes. of break this down in sections and 
we really spread the yeah, seeds for the rabbit holes. Blast, we man, this is cool. <laughs> we could, like you said, we could, we could talk for five hours Absolutely. on this and it wouldn't even, we wouldn't miss a beat. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, that's why not let's do it. Nope. Let's, uh, let's educate. Let's, uh, you know, bring some truth and some awareness and some, let's go toe to toe with this crap that's going on in our society. And, uh, let's kind of rise above and everything. Anything else, Mike, uh, anybody, uh, how can we find you? How can we find your writings? Everything. Um, you guys can find me as far as like my writings, uh, the easiest Google search is just going to be type Bitcoin magazine. Um, Mike Hobart, um, last name is H O B A R T. A lot of people like to insert an E for some reason, even though it doesn't sound like there is an E there. And, uh, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, which is really the only social media that I'm active on, uh, it's going to be the Mike Hobart with two E's T H E E. And then my name all lowercase and everything's there. Um, if there's anybody that specifically wants to reach out, my DMS are open. But because uh, I, I, I keep my notifications really limited to just people that I follow because um, my, my my Twitter is partially there to interact with people that are now fans of my work. But I wasn't really like I didn't create my Twitter to be like what it is now. Um, Twitter is largely for me just to acquire information and knowledge and everything. So if anybody wants to reach out, by all means go for it but uh there's no promise that i will see your your reply or your dm i'll, I'll do the yeah, best and I that, can. that's a good thing to point out i mean i see how you're kind of living your lifestyle right now in a pretty cool model um anybody out there listening that kind of model what he's saying uh it can be done we we all should be doing this as individuals kind of cut filter out the world be, become your own mind filter be very protective of that yeah. it's time to protect your 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 emotional state of being your emotional maturity and this is a way to do it become your own mind filter be like mike hobert <laughs> 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 and go see and, and read all of his writings on Bitcoin Magazine. There's some really good articles that you need to catch up on. And uh, you bet, Mike. Thank you for thank being you. on the show. And thank you for being on Texas Slim's Vision. We will talk to you in Miami. Here at the Beef Initiative, we encourage all your ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC Cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth generational Texas rancher. He knows what he's doing. <laughs>